Hey Google, what is Fernando Tatis Jr.'s batting average this season? Here's what I have for Fernando Tatis Jr. so far, a season batting average of zero. <laughs> yeah, he came back from a suspension. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is you decided to make Big Sky Sports Talk a part of your day. My family and I greatly appreciate it. You found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the coverage of four major franchises of one major market, and that's Phoenix, Arizona. We do things a little bit differently. We do it from Big Sky Country, Billings, Montana. We cover ASU football, ASU basketball, USL championship soccer, and the WNBA with the Phoenix Mercury. All available to you Tuesday through Saturday. And what a happy Friday we are uh, enjoying. Um, I'm enjoying this now because I don't think it's going to be like this for very long. Um, But yes... Fernando Tatis Jr. did return from his 80-game suspension, and yes, he did play, and yes, he went 0 for 5, and I am absolutely loving it. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I'm loving it now because, like I said, it's probably not going to be that way for very long. Um, It it is bittersweet, though, because, you know, and I I might sound like an idiot, um, or it's like, dude, what are you celebrating for? You lost. We did lose. We did lose seven to five. Um, a, a young arm on, on the mound. That, that's what I'm going to attribute to. Ryan Nelson was on the mound, uh, gave up all five of, uh, of the runs that, uh, were given up by the, uh, um, Diamondbacks. Uh, pitching, I um, and um, or well, five of the seven, five of the seven, not all five, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, the 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 bullpen uh played played really really good, but anyway, hi, <laughs> um, we'll get into all that in a little bit, um. Hope you're doing good. It's Friday. Um, normally, I uh, would have already got the two-minute warning recorded, but I was really curious to see if I could make Google say something about Fernando Tatis Jr., just to be honest. I, I saw that he went over five, and I saw that he contributed nothing, literally nothing, to the... Um, win for the Padres um and so like part of me is like excited and then part of me is like oh man he did nothing we still lost um but again just a rough outing by Ryan Nelson um really I mean it's all it comes down to so um haven't got the two-minute warning uh done yet um, I'm late in getting going. I was just super exhausted after watching the, uh, the Suns, uh, win last night, um, and went, went straight to bed. I, I just, I, I had no, no energy to, to do anything, um, podcast related. So I apologize that, um, I'm getting, getting out and getting going, uh, late, um, 
but I've been at it since uh, about 8.45 this morning, if that kind of really helps. It's I'm an hour in just kind of doing uh, doing some show prep. Since two-minute warning's not done, I'm not technically done with all my show prep. But anyway, um, did, did some... Uh, some, some show prep and, uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's where we are. Um, nothing crazy to, um, report as far as a story to tell or anything like that going on, uh, in, in my life. So, uh, we'll just, we'll just roll with it. We got the two minute warning up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. It's the two minute warning. This is the beautiful part of the podcast where you give me two minutes and I give you everything that happened yesterday and last night. Madison Bumgarner has been designated for assignment, which is the MLB's way of cutting players. The Diamondbacks will eat his remaining contract, which is about $34 million. Now on to the game. The Diamondbacks lose to the Padres 7 to 5 Ryan Nelson got shelled. He pitched five innings and gave up five runs, three hits, three walks, and had four strikeouts. Fernando Tatis Jr. had his first game back after serving his 80-game PED suspension, and he went 0 for 5. <laughs> game two of a four-game set is tonight. Zach Gallen is on the mound. Sorry for the delay there. Game three between the Clippers and the Suns took place last night. The Suns won 129 to 124. Kawhi Leonard sat due to a right knee sprain. This is the same knee that he had surgery on, but it is unrelated to the ACL. Devin Booker led all scorers with 45 points in 45 minutes. DeAndre Ayton had a double-double with 12 points, 11 rebounds in 35 minutes. Tomorrow night is game four. That is your two-minute warning. The Diamondbacks are up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. As I said in the two-minute warning, Madison Bumgarner has been designated for assignment, which, like I said, um, a... Uh, fancy way for being cut. Um, for more on that, we'll go to Mike Hazen that just uh, he spoke to the media for a, a little bit, and there's just kind of some some highlights of uh, the media um, availability. I think you know the 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 recent performance. Um, Oh, the first part of the season. In totality, kind of adding up, start after start, try to leg through long as we could, knowing that we wanted it to turn around. Um, we didn't see that as of yesterday, and so we made the decision. We talked a little bit about it. Uh, we didn't know uh, if that was going to be the best fit for either of us. Um, and I think would have been, you know, the easier, safer path to keep from doing this. Uh, but 
in the end, we kind of felt like that that's what we would be doing it for in a lot of ways, just because, you know, he's been a starter his whole career. I know guys have transitioned from starting to bullpen and late in their careers. We talked about it. Um, we have a lot of lefties. Um, you know, what role he would take if we did that, um, how he would, whether or not he wanted to do it, um, obviously necessarily isn't his choice, but, you know, there has to be buy-in to what we're asking somebody to do um, to get the best results out of them. And we have, a, we have a number of guys that we want to take a look at. And, you know, that's some small part of what we're doing right now. The, the performance aside, there are guys that we feel like need an opportunity up here to help us in that spot. And that's what it really came down to. Uh, you know, I've thought about that word urgency over the last 48 hours. Um, and yes, I think that I ask our players and staff to have urgency around how we're going to play and attack. And so I have to do the same thing. I can't be a hypocrite and ask for that and not do it in my job. Whatever we were going to be allowed to spend at the deadline or moving forward, we were going in with that money on the books regardless. I wasn't going to be able to move that money somewhere else. Next year's money um, is, is the dead money um, where you, I mean, theoretically could have done something with maybe, um, but that, you know, we'll see. But th it, it's more next year's impact than it is this year's impact, frankly. And, and, in, the, and in the end, look, I, I was told to do what needs to be done to win baseball games. So that's the message I got when we started having these conversations. You need to do what you need to do to win baseball games. So, um, yeah, that's Mike Hazen, general manager of the Diamondbacks, just talking about it. The, that second question was clearly on, hey, was, was – um, sending mad bum to to the bullpen an option and it's interesting that he answers it you know how he answers it because he said you know yes it was um but we felt like you know and we felt like that if we did it it would be only to avoid you know eating some dead money of course that last question was on the dead money um that it will affect more next year than this year so that's good uh 34 million about is uh what what they're gonna eat in his contract it was a uh was it a five year um five year 85 million or something like that um I can't remember the exact contract. It wasn't a good one. Um, I know that um, because Mad Bum, if you look at his career, he started to wane, and he was only good <laughs> in the Bay Area, like like literally where the Giants play or the uh, A's. So if you had like some... Um, uh, interleague play between the the uh, Giants and the A's, whether it's well, obviously in you know in Oakland or or in San San Francisco, he was only good those two ballparks. Everywhere else, he was not. And uh, um, you know, three years might have been okay for Mad Bum, I guess. Um, Maybe four if you had to, but he really wanted five, and that's that's the worst part of it is because now you're eating some money, but thankfully it's next year. But the second part of what he said is that 
um, there has to be buy-in uh, for for the player to go from a starter to a um, reliever into the bullpen. And something tells me that Mad Bum might not have been. Like, I can't believe that they wouldn't even ask the question, like, before making the decision. Something tells me, and, and they weren't going to say whether or not they, they talked about it. Um, there's no way that Mike Hazen, as smart as a man as he is, was going to, you know, well, I don't know, so we don't feel like asking and so we're just not going to, or, or maybe they can kind of tell that he, you know, that he being mad bum wasn't going to, um, and, uh, Doug Franz talked about it yesterday. I'm sure some of you guys are like, why are you always on this Doug Franz guy? Well, he's got an in and I don't, uh, and I listen to his podcast and this is the only thing I really listen to. Um, and, uh, he, he texted some, some, uh, some people, and uh, some of his sources, and did not get a, a response back as as it pertains to his question, and he was reading into it, and then the question was was really simple. It was um, basically, you know, what what is you know going on with with Mad Bum? Is it is it you know is it a lack of trying? Is it you know? Um, or anything like that, and he, you know, didn't get a response, and so he, you know, he, he being Doug, read into it and basically saying that it was not a necessary lack of trying, but more of Mad Bum was, uh, you know, got a feeling that maybe Mad Bum was doing it his own way, and so if that if if that speculation on Doug is is correct, the answer that Mike Hazen just gave tells you exactly why, you know, the bullpen wasn't an option is that, you know, Mad Bum wasn't willing. He had, he had to not been willing. Um, the other option he gave is, is he said that we have a lot of lefties already. Um, and that they want some, they have some young guys they, they want to give a shot to, um, before yesterday's loss, you take away the three losses from Mad Bum from their three starts, Diamondbacks are ten and five. Ten and five. Like that is so much better than what you ever could expect from the Diamondbacks. They're still in first place. They they lost uh seven to five, and we'll get to that in a minute, but just kinda wanna rest on this Mad Bum uh you know, conversation real quick. And it's um, it's the right move, and you know. Um, and then that last part, he said, uh, the conversation we had is that I was told to do whatever it takes to to win some ball games, and I, I I'm a read into saying that that is Ken Kendrick, you know, uh, the owner the managing partner, if you will, you know, they don't like to call them owners sometimes, the managing partner of the Diamondbacks, which is Mike Hazen's boss, said, do what it takes to win some ball games. And the, they felt a sense of urgency, and the right move was to let Mad Bum go. Because, again, 
10 and 5 without Mad Bum. I mean, it's it's right there. Now they are um 11 and 9. Um so uh that's in one game up up, up on the Dodgers. Um but now to the game. Um 7-5 was the final. Um Ryan Nelson got shelled, five innings, uh three hits, five earned runs, or five runs uh, uh five of them earned. Um and then uh three walks, four strikeouts. Um Kyle Nelson gets actually tagged with the loss. He pitched two thirds of an inning, two hits, uh two runs, but those are unearned. Um a strikeout. He has a one point oh four. Ryan Nelson has a four point nine one. Um the McGuff went one and two thirds. Uh no hits, no runs, no earned runs, no walks. Um Two strikeouts, um, 5.87. And then uh, Mishiewicz, that's my best chance of pronunciation. Uh, it was 0 for 2, or 0 for 2. <laughs> uh, two-thirds in the inning, one hit, uh, one walk, two strikeouts. He has an ERA of 0.0. I think he just got called up, as a matter of fact. And then Ruiz, who struggled uh, uh, the night before, um, one inning, he had one hit, no one runs, no, no walks, no strikeouts, uh, 13.50 ERA. Um, Josh Rojas went, um, let's, uh, um, went, had four at-bats, um, one run scored, two hits, two RBIs, and a walk. Um, and then uh, Gurriel, um, five five at bats, one run, two hits, one walk, or no one RBI. He struck out um, Corbin Carroll. Um, five in five at bats, he struck out. Um, so 0 for 5, Chris Walker, um, 5 at-bats, 3 hits, uh, 2 strikeouts, um, Jake McCarthy, 4 at-bats, 1 strikeout, um, Moreno, 4 at-bats, a strikeout, Thomas, 4 at-bats, 2 runs, 2 hits, uh, Nick Ahmed, 3 at-bats, uh, one hit, um, and then Paven Smith was the pinch hitter. Um, he had one at bat and he struck out, and then Perdomo four at bats, one run, two hits, one RBI, and a strikeout for for him. Um, let's see, Diamondbacks. Um, Five uh, runs on 12 hits, one error, um, and San Diego, uh, seven runs on seven hits and, and an error. In the second inning, Grisham doubled to right, and Carpenter scored. Um, it's 2 nothing. Um Carpenter and uh, Cronenworth scored, excuse me. Two nothing. Perdomo tripled right. Alec Thomas scored two one. Um, 
uh, Bogart, uh, homered to center. Him and Juan Soto scored uh, 4-1. And then in the fourth, uh, Carpenter homered to right, 5-1. In the fourth, Rojas single to left. Uh, Thomas and Perdomo scored 5-3. Um, more in the fourth, Gurliel um, doubled to left. Rojas scored, it's 5-4. And then in the uh, fourth, this would tie it up. Uh, Gurliel scored on, um, on a wild pitch, 5-5. Uh, five, five. And then um, Grisham doubled to center. And uh, Cruz and uh, Bogarts uh, scored 7-5. And that happened in the sixth. I forgot to... Um, let me pull my mic over here, and, and since I'm facing my computer, I forgot to pull something up because um, I know they lost, but I, I mean, I did want to kind of give you some some action, and so I, in my show prep, I forgot, forgot to pull the one thing that I forgot to pull up. Um, I guess while I'm doing that, we can go ahead and um, get the recap from Bally Sports. Let's let's do that. Let's roll with the Diamondbacks offense. How did they put five runs on the board? Yeah, it got started here. Uh, Alec Thomas, we saw, hit his first home one in the, in the, uh, on the road there, shoots one down the left field line. That was a double with his speed, and then Perdomo comes in. He pulls one down the right field line and just sneaks in there into third base for a triple. This is the fourth inning here. Again, Alex Thomas and Perdomo getting it done again. Uh, and that was their their, their offense. I mean, these guys were swinging the bats. They had a four-run fourth inning there, uh, which was a total of five innings. Muriel Jr., he got involved, too. He started swinging the bat nicely on the road trip. He continues that here at home. Uh, overall, not not bad. They, they left uh, several runners on base, five runs. They did have 12 hits. Uh, they had a lot of guys on base and some opportunities. Just couldn't get enough done. Well, never mind. That works. Um, I didn't have, I couldn't find anything that I that I wanted uh, anyway. So that uh, that works. Um, Zach Allen is on the hill um, tonight against who is he against? Uh, Seth Lugo, um, right-handed against right-handed, um, and that that's uh, that's tonight. And hopefully, the Diamondbacks can go ahead and 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 get another win. Just like I said, Ryan Nelson just, just got shelled. Um, he's, I mean, responsible for five. The two other runs don't credit to him per se. I mean, you know, the way it works, they technically should because, you know, they go to uh, Kyle Nelson, but, I mean, it's... uh. But the, the, for him, it's unearned. He gets tagged with a loss. It's just funky how it works out. But anyway, hopefully uh, Zach Allen can go ahead and turn around. Um, Suns, we'll go into that next on Big Sky Sports Talk. A very ugly, very messy start of the game. I, I mean, it was like six or seven turnovers for um, for Phoenix or something like that. And 
almost about the same in, in the first quarter alone uh, for for the Clippers. Um, thankfully, Phoenix didn't end up with uh, many. They Where they did end up is um, at the free throw line. My goodness, they, they were... They lived there, which is uh, a change. Um, probably you can make a case for why the win. I mean, you know, you know, no Kawhi Leonard out with the um, right knee sprain. He actually suffered it in game one, played through it in game two, and uh, felt it would be wise to sit out last night's game. He is now day-to-day. Uh, for uh, the rest of the series, um, and including specifically Game Four, I kind of felt like T- uh, TNT. <laughs> game Four is on TNT. Um, I kind of felt like the Clippers, like you know what, the series is tied. Kawhi, go ahead and sit. Um, we're probably going to play you Game Four more than likely because we. Uh, I think uh, they weren't planning on losing, but they probably. Th- Maybe figured, all right, we might lose. Um, Suns will go up. We'll need you for game four to help uh, tie it so that way we're not, you know, out of it. And, uh, you know, or it doesn't look like we're throwing in a white towel. Um, I, I, you know, I think that might have been the thought, but it's kind of a frustrating because, you know, you only win by. Um, five, six, seven, eight, nine, five points. Uh, I can't do math. One twenty nine, one twenty four was the, the final score. Um, you had a Herculean effort by uh, Devin Booker, who went off for forty five points in forty five minutes. So some really heavy, heavy minutes for the starters. A better bench uh, contribution, but uh, Clippers still continue to. Uh, win in that department. Let's see. Um, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, eighteen bench points for the Suns and thirty-five, thirty-nine. For the Clippers, so that continues to be a story, um, and uh, and a problem for uh, for the Suns. Um, and so you're the Clippers. You're like, oh, we only lost by five. Um, both teams came out a little funky, and we didn't have Kawhi Leonard. And of course, uh, uh, Paul George is still out. Yeah, we're feeling really good. You know, imagine if Paul George can make a uh, a return. You know, he, I mean, it's it's been reported that he's not going to make a return this, at all during this series, regardless if it goes seven or not. But, um, the, you know, Clippers feel pretty good, and, and rightfully so. They should. Um, I, I don't – I'm not going to – you know, I'm not hitting the panic button. I guess I'm giving them a little bit more credit than maybe I thought I would have, just to be honest. Um because I said off the air that I to someone that I think even with Paul George, uh, Suns can can take him out, and and I think that's you know I don't know the regular season and the postseason is a completely different animal. I think in part to some of the struggles from the bench is they're not 
really out there that long. Of course, and some of that is out of necessity. Um, but uh, the Suns bench, despite um, Chuckster saying that, you know, I, I believe the Clippers are deeper. You know, that's, that's my best, Chuck. Um, so on paper, now that's a little bit country. But, yeah, he said they were deeper. And on paper, that uh, um, the Clippers are are um, behind the eight ball. But um, I, I I disagree with that. And I think the Suns bench is, is better and has been better. And I think that's where it, it comes in. And, and so even with Paul George, I think they would, you know, would still win. And, that, and that's my thought is, you know, a better bench by the the Suns, but they haven't been playing good. So it's like almost like thankful that Paul George is not out there. I guess I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it would be a totally different thing though if he was. And it's hard to say. It's hard to even go that route. But you're if you're the Clippers, you feel pretty good. You're only down two one. Um, game three is very pivotal. Um, game game you know game three and five uh, five win. When you know when the series is is tied, um, but uh, game three when it's tied um, one one um, because it's like you know those that win game three after it's been tied is it's like a one you know one forty five to thirty five is like or something like that I don't know it's 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 a high number so. Um, and that's not percentage, but that's like the record, you know, if you win game three after being one, one, um, winners of game three, they're winning the series record is, you know, one thirty five or one forty five, and you only win, you know, there's only been, you know, 35 or 45 winners, uh, from those that didn't win or whatever it is that record is it, I'm I'm doing a poor job explaining it but game three is is very very pivotal um let's go with some some numbers let's get some numbers out of the way Kevin Durant 42 minutes um eight of 15 from the field uh one of three from deep um eight rebounds five assists 28 points Troy Craig 27 minutes, 3 of 5 from the field, 3 of 4 from deep, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 15 points. DeAndre Ayton with his double-double, 35 minutes, 4 of 9 from the field. Really not that good at all. Um, did get to the line uh, a couple times, and that's the reason for his 12 points. He had 11 rebounds um, to go with it. Chris Paul, 41 um, minutes, uh, 5 of 18 from the field, 1 of 8 from deep, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, 11 points. Devin Booker, 45 minutes, 45 points, a point a minute, 18 of 29 from the field, 3 of 7 from deep, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists. TJ Warren, 4 minutes, 0 of 1 from the field, um, no points. Josh Kogi, 21 minutes, a lot more minutes for, for him. Um, and, and a lot more minutes for the bench as well. They just didn't produce a whole lot. Uh, Josh Kogi went one for five. I, and I also felt like they were deferring. I, I felt like even in uh, last night's game, when Monty gave them more opportunities and gave them more minutes, that they, they deferred a lot. So I, 
you know, they passed up a lot of shots. Um, I mean, it worked out, but I just, there was a couple of like Bismack I saw and he passed up a couple. I'm like, man, just, I mean, you're getting better. Go for it. Damian Lee passed a couple up, but you know, he did make a couple sham it passed, you know, they all, they all passed up some shots. But anyway, a Kogi 21 minutes, one for five, oh, oh, of one from deep seven rebounds, one assist, six points. Bismack, 11 minutes, one for one from the field, four rebounds, two assists, uh, four points. Damian Lee, 11 minutes as well, two of three from the field, two of three from deep, um, and eight points. And then Landry Shamit, four minutes, uh, 0 of two from the field, 0 of one from deep, one rebound, and zero points for him. Um, Clippers, they had a lot of guys that need to step up, and they did. Nicholas Batum, 19 minutes, 0 of one from the field, um, and his only shot was from deep, three rebounds, one assist, zero points. Zubats, uh, 22 minutes, uh, three or four from the field, uh, eight rebounds, six points. Russell Westbrook, 40 minutes, 11 and 23 from the field, three of seven from deep, eight rebounds, 12 assists, 30 points. Eric Gordon, 31 minutes, two of six from the field, 0 of three from deep, two rebounds, four assists, seven points. And then Norman Powell, uh, he was the second leading scorer behind Book. Behind all all scores, forty one minutes, fifteen to twenty three from the field, seven to twelve uh, from deep, five rebounds, uh, three assists, forty two points. Robert Covington, uh, four minutes, oh of one from the field. It was from deep, so that is all one there too. One rebound, uh, no points. Um, Marcus uh, Morris Senior, twenty minutes, two of five from the field, one of three from deep, four rebounds. Five points and a technical foul. Uh, I will remember that whenever it's either of the Morris twins. Um, <laughs> uh, Mason Plumley, 16 minutes, 2 of 2 from the field, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 4 points. Bones Highland, 21 minutes, 6 of 12 uh, from the field, 2 of 4 from deep, 1 rebound, 2 assists, 20 minutes. And Terrence Mann, 26 minutes, 4 of 6 from the field, 2 of 4 from deep, four, uh, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 10 points. Um, the whole fourth quarter, uh, Ty Lu gambled a little bit, and it paid off. He went a completely small ball lineup. I mean, he had, um, he had Eric Gordon out there. I think he had Norman Powell. He had Russell Westbrook. He had um, Bones Highland and Terrence Mann. That I think that was. Let's see, one, two. One, two, three. Yep. Four, five. Highland and man. Uh the, that was his five man lineup. Um point guard, shooting guard, just guard. <laughs> they have from Norman Powell. It just says guard. I guess a uh, point. You, you know, but it just says guard for him. I guess he plays both. Um Bones Highland, point guard, Terrence Mann, shooting guard. So all guards out there in the in the fourth quarter. Uh I think all of the fourth quarter, I'm pretty sure. And it, I mean, it, they came back and, um, you know, it kind of gave me a scare and what sucked. And this is, I mean, this is so frustrating about, um, DeAndre Ayton is he had some mismatches and he was not, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think he, I don't know if he was demanding the ball. Uh, he deferred a couple of times. 
he wasn't catching high, keeping high. He fumbled it around. He, you know, it was just, it was so bad. It was like he was nervous. He's like, he knew that he was the the biggest man out there. And, and like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the heck happened there. Um, but uh, NBA TV caught up with uh, Devin Booker. Um, well, hold on. Let's let's go into this. Hold on. Before I do that, I'll do the team stats. But uh, we'll go to book here in a second. Um, Suns, 42 of 88, 47.7%. Uh, 10 of 27 uh, from deep, 37%. And 35 of 46. A big free throw disparity because uh, Clippers had 19 of 25. Uh, both had 76%. Um, but 19 to 25, but Clippers 45 of 83, 54.2% from the field. They were 15 to 35, 42.9%. Um, Suns out rebounded 45 to 40, 15 offensive boards, 30 defensive boards, um, six for the Clippers, uh, offensively and 34 defensively for the Clippers. Uh, Clippers did have more assists 26 to 20. Uh, Suns had more steals 12 to 9. Um, but Clippers had more blocks, seven to four. Uh, Suns had fewer turnovers, thirteen, um, giving up eighteen points, and Clippers had eighteen, giving up twenty-five points. Fast break points, eighteen to fifteen in favor of the Clippers. Points in the paint, fifty-eight to fifty-four in favor of the Clippers. Fouls, eighteen on the Suns, thirty-one, and the technical foul um for the clippers largely the game for the suns 13 largely the game for the clippers was 6 and their their 6 point lead was in the first quarter they go 6 no uh, 6 0 run and then suns double it up go 12 0 run um and um and at one point had like i said uh had 13 but it wasn't in that in that run they had 13 i can't remember when they had 13 but now we go to devin booker um with NBA TV. All right. <laughs> All right, Devin, this series has been nothing short of competitive, physical, exciting. How did you guys hold on and get this big game three win? I uh, just win at all costs. You know, that's our motto. Um, we don't want to give any games away. You know, even though they were undermanned today, you know, we know those guys are still going to bring it. So, you know, we had to come with the hit first mindset and, you know, we just weathered the storm throughout the whole game. Devin, you followed a 38-point performance in Game 2 with 45 tonight. How do you continue to look unguardable out here? I know it's not as easy as you make it look. I mean, I'm just put in the right situations. Um, you know, we have KD out here. We have Chris Paul. You know, those guys attract a lot of attention and it opens up spots for me. So, you know, Coach does a good job of putting us in situations where we can succeed, and you know, that's just what we've been doing. Knowing this won't get any easier as the series goes on, what do you guys have to do to continue to win on their home floor? I mean, just come in, you know, communicate, talk to each other, um, play high-level defense, and then just, you know, get out and play basketball. You know, you have to simplify it once you get to the playoffs. I'm guessing prioritizing rest for you guys as well. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get a lot of rest. we got an early one Sunday or Saturday. All right, Devin, thanks so much. Congrats. Good seeing you. Thank you, Ashley. Quick turnaround for the Suns and Clippers for Game 4 on Saturday. Phoenix wins it 129-124 to lead the series 2-1. Coming up next here on NBA TV, it's game time presented by Keith. Um, yeah, and don't remind the Clippers that uh, they'll be at game four before the um, um, Lakers even have game three in that same building. 
Um, and it might be because they both play in the same building. I have no idea, but the Clippers kind of feel like, uh, and I always kind of felt like the redheaded stepchild to the uh, uh, to the Lakers. But the Clippers have had you know uh, better seasons of late. I mean, Lakers have had better seasons as you know franchise, but um, it, yeah, don't don't remind them that they're about to go into Game Four before the uh, uh, Lakers even go into a Game Three. Um, and that that's aggravating. Uh, I love it. I love every other day. I know, I'm sure the players kind of wish that you know, like some of these series they're doing every every two days of basketball. Um, but I like the every other day it keeps you. I think it keeps you a little bit more conditioned, a little bit more fresh. And I I I mean, it's I don't know. I ju- I just like it. Um, surprisingly, we actually have where'd it go? Um. Oh, actually, have uh, TNT. Even though the game wasn't on TNT, we have their their uh, couple minute breakdown because they didn't call the game. I don't think they uh, talk a lot. I don't know if how it goes, but it's really not that long. So here's some some highlights and some breakdown from TNT. Let's go to the Phoenix highlight if we could, please, because the game is over now and uh, the Clippers at home without Kawhi, right knee bothering him. You know. 1-1 series against Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker is on fire, y'all. Went crazy tonight. That's Dude, two Kevin games Durant. in a row he's went crazy. Book. Better double that loading. 27-24. Oh, lost a shoe. Oh, that's Marcus Morris. That's yeah. a really deep. <laughs> You're banking him from the <laughs> corner now? Yeah. <laughs> Booker playing defense with a shoe with a shoe in his hand. So Booker again draws contact, hits a fadeaway jumper. I like the fact that Booker's not waiting. I know he's playing with Kevin Durant, but Booker's like, hey, if I got the chance to go to work, I'm gonna go to work. Yeah, shout out to Norman Powell who got yeah. edged out in a three-man uh, six-man of the year. He was fantastic tonight. Hey, he's uh, yeah, he started for Kawhi and was huge in this one. Yeah, Powell had forty-two point night, and there's Chris Paul. They could, forty-two tonight. Yeah, yeah, forty-two. Wow, man, yeah. man, that's how I look at that. Fifty-four, fifty-one. Phoenix at the half. Oh, oh no way. Oh, yeah. Well, pretty high degree of difficulty on that thing. Oh, give me that. Nice defense from Dude. Zubots. Dude, playing fast, ain't he, Kenny? Yeah. Ten-point lead. Russell is going to drive and get the contact. Man, it's a shame that Kawhi didn't play. It's a, sh- it's a shame that Paul George is not playing. Oh, Westbrook again. He had 30 and 11 assists. KD, no chance to stop that. Excuse me, Ernie. Certainly, Shaquille. 79-66 at that point. Booker and getting oh. anything he wants. Oh, too strong. Made the free throw, three-point play, 12-point lead. Oh, is that a backboard? Chris Paul gets his own. Moses Chris Paul Malone. Booker again. Tough shot. Ten point game. Gotta get your hand up, dude. Norman Powell cuts the lead to seven. Ernie, they got it down to three. Three. He could not get a rebound. They were playing with little dudes. Corey Craig has been key in this series for Phoenix. Right now, there's five guards on the floor. The biggest man is Terrence Mann. Yeah, they could not. They had two chances to get a defensive rebound and couldn't get it done. But shout out to the Clippers for balling. Powell. Throw. 
four-point play. They're within five. And then Bones Highland. The pass rush. Oh, oh, iron unkind. That would have been interesting had it gone. 129-124 is your final score. Look at the free throw line. 35 out of 46 for Phoenix. 19 out of 25 for the Clippers. The only thing Matt on that page is K. Leonard, the NPD. You're exactly right. We'll wow. see uh, what his availability will be for Saturday when they play the next That's one. Right. This one. <laughs> that game is also on. Tyler Wright, yeah. you are correct. <laughs> I'm glad you appreciated that, Tyler. I like to play that role every now and then. It's entertaining. We'll be back. Got some soft feet, RoboCup. Um, and Ballet Sports. First half highlights, this was a very messy game to begin with. 20 combined turnovers in the first half. The Suns scored 16 points off of 12 Clipper turnovers. Yeah, and you know, and the Suns looked good coming off of them early, but not so much late. But yeah, I mean, they were, they're, they're, they're physical. I mean, KD said they're going to be holding, they're going to be grabbing, but uh, that guy right there was special. Or was that Eric Gordon? I couldn't tell if that was Norman Powell or him, but Norman Powell, I mean, the seven threes tonight for them. This guy can play. You've got to find him. And you talked about what a steal it was for the Clippers to pick oh. him up from Portland. We saw him as a star in Toronto as well. Devin Booker, we'll talk about his layups and assaulting the rim with yeah. Eddie Johnson. He's scoring from every which way, all directions, loses his shoe, and then chases <laughs> down his former teammate, Marcus Morris Sr. I thought they called call it technical that... late because he had that shoe <laughs> yeah. up in the air. That was the play of the night. <laughs> yes, it was. And oh, and look, he, he has torched his former team time and again. Yeah, got a couple baskets tonight and wasn't bad out there. But that guy right there, it is either nothing, Katie bar the door, or Ned and Zubots. They just went small. They just took him out of the game and uh, went small. And uh, I thought that was a good move for the Suns. I mean, it, it would benefit the Suns. But, man, it didn't. That small ball just caused fit. Yeah, that small ball was 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 terrible. You think it would benefit. It would benefit any other normal team with an aggressor. But DeAndre Ayton is not that. Um, let's go with Monty Williams. Well, I mean, it's it's what he's been doing this series. You know, I told him after game one, he was the thermostat for the team. And uh, he set the tone and temperature um, for 48 minutes, not just from the start. And, <clears throat> you know, to have him play um, that many minutes and we needed it and have that kind of production um, speaks to his ability to not just physically grind it out, but mentally grind it out. And so um, I, I don't want to have to play him that many minutes every night, but I felt like tonight we needed it and we'll rest up tomorrow. But he's his ability to not just shoot the ball, but get to the basket um, and take the contact is where I've seen him grow the last two years. Um, he's, he's getting all the way to the rim. Guys are hitting him, and he's still finishing plays. And um, he was phenomenal tonight. And Kevin, you know, you wouldn't think he had 28 points just based on just watching the game because it wasn't that. 
dynamic and there wasn't a ton of wild plays. And then you look up, he's got 28, he's 11 for 11 from the free throw line. And, you know, we had a number of contributions from guys tonight. Torrey was solid again. Um, D. Lee coming off the bench and doing what he did. And um, I thought Biz in the pocket was really good when they were blitzing Book and Book made the right reads. And we knew this was going to be uh, this kind of game. Uh, they were going to go small and switch. And we thought we'd see more zone. Um, but I'm just grateful for how the guys played and responded to a, a hostile environment and being able to make plays down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, it's it's what you want in the playoffs. One, it, it gives you a chance to set your defense, and two, you got a guy that can make you know those free throws, and so um, he draws so much attention. And when he does get the ball, they're all over him. You know, I, there are times where I think he's not getting uh, the benefit of the you know the call as far as the physicality that's being implemented on him. Uh, he gets frustrated with it, but we need a guy like that getting to the line because, again, he can make the shots and it allows for us to set our defense and you get a break, you know, when you're playing guys in minutes like that. Yeah, it's just Kev makes the right plays, you know. I think that's another thing that not many people talk about. They talk about the scoring, but the ability to make the right pass, no matter who it is, um, whether it's Biz in the pocket, DA in the pocket, or Tory in the corner. Um, I think that gives those guys confidence to know that a guy like Kevin is willing to get off the ball and, and, and trust them with it. I mean, that's if a game is going to be that physical, you, you have to, you know, take advantage of it. And we got into the bonus early um, a few times. Um, but I, I think attacking the basket is the thing that allows for you to do that. And then when they go small, there's not a lot of rim protection there. So we just tell our guys to you know, get to the paint. And the one thing we've improved upon this year is deep paint touches as opposed to always the the mid-range shot. We've been getting to the rim a ton this year. Nate, buddy, Chris, Chris said after game two that it's not so much that Torrey's hitting threes, he's hitting them in big moments. Yeah. Uh, hitting other ones tonight, obviously. Mm -hmm. Is there anything about him that makes him able to produce those moments? I mean, he works on his game, you know. We've had a number of conversations about um, – being consistent with his shot. Um, last year, he had a tendency to shoot it and pull it back. And we just talked this summer about just staying with the shot and being consistent with that. And, you know, and he puts a lot of work into it. And I think the guys trust him. So it's good to see him be able to do that because they're going to try to take away DA's dive and his mid-range shot and, and Book and Kevin when they have the ball or when they're on the weak side. So Torrey ends up getting um, a number of open looks. He didn't get that many tonight, but the ones he did get, uh, he knocked down. And he, he was six for six from the free throw line, which is great. Jim, how important is Kevin's presence on the court? Yeah. Or for Devin to just kind of I feel bad for Kev sometimes because he's he's an expensive decoy out there. <laughs> if he, he, he's standing at the 28-foot hash, and 
the defender is right in his face, and that gives Book a number of opportunities to attack the basket. Um, and even when we run him in actions, you know, as a misdirection, you know, sometimes two guys go with Kevin when he comes off of a screen, so that opens up the floor for everyone else. And he's big, you know, he's you know he's six eleven, and so when a guy like that who can shoot the ball with that kind of efficiency is coming off of a screen or spacing the floor, you have to pay attention to him. Before the game, you kind of joked about how aggressive Devin's game. You like, there's not even a word for it. Like. It doesn't help if I have time to think. That, that's <laughs> never helped me. Ask my professors at Notre Dame. Um, but like, just his aggressiveness that he, yeah. he's had in this year—is that, that because he's got so much more space, with Kevin, out there, well, or just because that's where he's at? In his career? I think that's where he is. Plus Kevin, and when we get stops and get out and run, that's the other place where he's been really dynamic. Once you show him a a crack or an alley, he's going to take it. And the, the other part about Book is he, he he will pass the ball and make the right play. Um, I don't know how, how if they counted it tonight or if we did, but the hockey assist for him was probably high tonight because he was hitting the pocket and then we were finding guys on the backside. Um, but I, I'm not quite sure I'd call it aggression. I just think he's making the right plays and whatever the defense gives him, he, he takes advantage of it. So if he's got 45, does that mean they're giving him shots? No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, he, he works for it. I mean, Kevin and, and Book have hands on them a lot. The, the game is physical this time of the year. So for him to be able to you know, produce like that, he and Kev, with the physicality that they have to play through is pretty phenomenal. Tanya Yeah. You asking me? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I just know it when I see it. Um, I've been around players like that in my career as a player and a coach, and I, I couldn't explain it. I just know that when you see it, uh, you recognize that those guys are a bit different. And um, that's who he is. And I'm, I'm, I don't think he's trying to prove that either. I think he's just trying to play winning basketball. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why we've had some success um, in Phoenix is because of his ability to not just do it on offense, but defensively. You know, he's guarding all of their guys who are physical and athletic. and. I thought he was really smart with his defense tonight to not pick up fouls when they were for forcing the issue to get to the basket. Last two, Dana and Kelly. You won the rebound and war again tonight. Yeah. Uh, but in the past two games, you were down 27-13 offensive glass. But what about tonight? Was, you when they go small, you have to take advantage of it. I mean, when they have smaller guys out there and the shot goes up, um, DA got some, Torrey got a big one. Um, I think that's the advantage for us is to attack the paint, attack the basket, but also crash. And if we can get extra possessions that way, we'll take it. But the problem is, Monty, you didn't get enough possessions. I, I really didn't have a whole lot to say up until here. I was going to let it all roll, and then they added this rebound going small, and you know, I, I felt like I had something to say. 
Um, because, you know, it was so frustrating. Like, when they went small that whole fourth quarter, the Suns should have ballooned to a, a you know, 20-point lead 20 or more, and it didn't happen. I mean, it just seems so obvious that, you know, the biggest guy out there was was, was a Terrence Mann, I think. Um, you know, and again, all guards. And three of them were starting guards that had a lot of minutes. Um, well, not a lot of minutes, but a good portion of minutes. It was just like, oh, my goodness. I, I was so aggravated. I don't know I was if I was aggravated at, I, I thought, you know, more money that he didn't call more plays for DA or DA that he didn't ask for the ball more or uh, DA that he didn't get more rebounds like he should have, that a DA that he's not aggressive. I don't know which more I'm uh, more aggravated. I think I'm more aggravated at DA. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm being sarcastic here uh, and, and facetious, but it just doesn't make any sense. It's a clear no-brainer that he's out there. Give him the ball. Let him, you know, uh, uh, make plays. But the problem is you can't make plays when you don't have that killer mentality. It is a mentality. Mentality. It's just... Uh, I, I, I don't I don't get it. thankful for the win. Very thankful for the win. You're up 2-0. Um, you have a chance tomorrow night to uh to go up uh 3-1 and you know try to put this thing away. Um I'm not sure if it's gonna be Monday or Tuesday. I I guess I should look, but um you know, at home in your place. Um you know, and, and move on. But uh, and get some rest waiting on everybody else, you know, finishing in five. Um, that that's that, that that could be the benefit, but it's just uh, so aggravating. Frequency of the traps on Kevin Devin's yeah. like It was great. Um, his ability to knock down shots, but you know, also space the floor. And then I thought he had a, a really nice point five drive for a foul. Um, and he's a guy that's always ready. And I, I talked to him a couple of games ago, and I just said, be ready. And um, it was almost an insult for him, I would imagine, because he's always ready. He prepares himself for opportunities like this. Thanks, Coach. All right, thank you. I think that that's the other reason, uh, I guess, hearkening back to you know the Suns bench versus the Clippers bench is, I mean, I feel like, Every team's bench, you know, they just be ready and stay ready. But I've seen it time and time again of Monty not going to guys for whatever reason. Maybe he, you know, feels like he needs to go with someone else, and he'll go with someone else for a while, and then he'll he'll go with with that guy that you know, you know, hasn't hasn't been in a while like like Damian Lee, and that that's what that last question was about. Damian Lee, he didn't do a lot, but he did enough, and uh, you know, contributed to the win. And um, and time and time and time again, Damian Lee, um, well, in the in the uh, um, in in the regular season, Saban Lee, um, you know, and, and all these other guys uh, that that come off hit a clutch three, you know, uh, get a get a clutch offensive board or something like that, and time and time again, I've seen it. And uh, you know they—that's uh, what what I love about them. Um, Kevin Durant, what what did you think about 
um, Devin Booker's 45 minutes and 45 points performance. Uh, all time, like great performance, you know, in the playoffs like that on a road game three forty five with that efficiency, like you know, it's almost I uh, expect stuff like this from him at this point in his career. Uh, but he set the tone, you know, getting to the rim, making plays for others, just controlling the whole game. And we're going to need him to continue to do that going forward. You talked about making the right play and finding Tory for that yeah, I felt like I made a good move to get downhill, and then I see Bones Highland. I mean, in the NBA, we teach not to really come out the corner that on a strong side corner like that, but he kind of got outside of his principles, and I seen him running at me, and I trust he's seeing that moment, and uh, he took it with all the confidence in the world. He's been shooting that with confidence this whole series, so. Uh, you know, I'm glad he knocked that down. We was able to get some separation. You know, they were going to obviously with, with Kawhi being out, the guys were going to raise the level with one Powell having the team night, you know, Russell. So uh, maybe just speak to the challenge they presented and you guys responded. Yeah, I mean, you got three dudes with 20, one guy with 40, one guy with 30. Um, you know, it's, you could tell they were playing free and um, not worried about anything but just going out there and playing hard. and. Coach Lou going to have his guys ready every time out. And, uh, you know, so we knew it wasn't going to be easy. Uh, but Norman Powell made shot, big shots all night, got his three ball going, which, you know, opened up the whole floor for him. So it made it tough to guard. And then Russ was downhill as well. So uh, we got to do a better job in game four if we want to have a chance to win. Kevin, these games for Book, it's not a regular 45 minutes that he's playing. What have you learned about him in terms of the gas tank and what he's I just loves to play the game. So he doesn't want to come out. Every possession matters to him. Um, and he wants to he wants to leave his mark on the game. And you know, so with all that, you know, you throw all that in the pot, you have a great performance like that. Um, we all rallied around him and we're gonna continue to rally around him and uh, you know, try to provide as much space and help for him as we as he needs and also be aggressive as well because he needs all of us to be aggressive around that too. There was a possession in the first half where you were looking for the ball and it came a little late and, and then you traveled. What are you trying to find as far as a rhythm and, and your flow within the offense? Uh, I feel like I found a rhythm and a flow when the ball come to me. I know how to play the game of basketball first off. So if the ball come to me, um, just make a right play, you know, yeah. just be ready, you know, so I try to stay prepared. Yeah, he's a champion, you know. So you got to give him credit for knowing what it is to be a champion. And being a champion is just coming to work every day and giving it your all and following the game plan. I think that's what he did when he came out there is he stayed ready. He was able to – he knocked down a couple threes, got to the free throw line. But on the defense side of the ball, he was there for us and made the correct plays. And how many points did he end up with? Two for three, eight points. You know, that's just huge for us off the bench. One of the things that the – Devin said it after here. He was like, and he kept coming up to you and saying, "You helped me with that." Space, <laughs> yeah. Space for that. Maybe just speak to that dialogue with, with, with them during the game. Yeah. Uh, I remember we ran a play. Coming set a screen for me, and I'll end up catching it at the top of the key. But I seen the whole defense kind of just like looking at me, and Book was bringing it up. So and he got the one on one. 
the whole defense with that back turn, and he was able to get to his move. He had a couple help, some help at the rim, but that's nothing for him. So and he ran back and told me that I, I created that when it probably didn't create that. I mean, he he's so good, he can get wherever he wants, but they they couldn't help as much or as aggressively when I was coming off that screen. So um, it's just being comfortable with that, and you know, once the ball come to me, though, I still got to be aggressive. How much hard difference do you see that you with know, Kawhi out? Yeah, I mean they went super small, like, and they got four guards that crashed the glass. They got they got guards that just play extremely hard, play bigger than their size. So, um, you know, but when they went all five smalls, I felt like we had our, our advantage as well on offensive glass, and we was uh, we was able to get a few. Da was big. Jo was big, um, Tory was big, so um, you know we're gonna need that going forward. As many opportunities we can get at the rim as possible is uh, is good for us. Again, they were big. I will admit it, but Kevin, it just wasn't enough, buddy. It really, like, it should have been. I mean, and yeah, I I think what Monty and and uh, Kevin has both done is kind of give give the credit to. To the guys that they had out there, you know, during that fourth quarter, um, that and he just said it, you know, that they, they have guys that they hey they play bigger than the, what they are, and, and so maybe that that's what it is, but it it shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't. I'm so frustrated, and every time it's being brought up, I'm gonna mention it. I think. Mark, Kevin, I understand it's different circumstances, but you and Kawhi have both been playing at elite level, but also managing. It's frustrating. You love to play. You know, you prepare for this time of the year all season. Um, it's just frustrating. It's some stuff that, uh, you know, you wish you had more control over. I mean, it's, it's a tough situation. Um, you want to be out there with your teammates. You want to grind at this part of the year. You feel like you're letting a lot of people down that, you know, spend their hard-earned money to, to see see you do what you do. Organize It's a lot on your mind at that time, you know, so... But you just try to focus on rehabbing and getting better and getting out there as quickly as possible. And I'm sure him and PG are on that same page. Yeah, just from afar, what do you take away from just what his journey as a talent and what he's done to still be? Oh, it just speaks to his resilience as a, as a human being, him and PG. Um, just they, all, they both had some tough injuries over their careers, but still bounced back like nothing happened, both of them. Um, and that speaks to their work ethic, their care and love for their bodies and their games. And uh, and the people around him for helping him out as well. Hey, we always talk about your score, which is playmaking. Like, you make a lot of great reads, you know, but, and a lot of players talk about how easy it is playing with you. You know, how do you feel like your, your development has been from the start to now with that? Yeah, uh, I've, coming into the league, my foot was on the gas to score every time I touched the ball, and uh, it. You know, in the NBA, you know, scouting certs, team scouting you and, and playing so many games, <clears throat> you got to switch up your attack. So as I got older in the league, I see, you see different types of defenses and you learn how to play the game, basically. And I learned how to play the game from different angles, different positions. And, and I'm able to, you know, go back and forth from different roles on the team. And um, so I think that's the reason why um, I'm able to fit in with other guys and um, but it's a lot of experience, a lot of, you know, 
bad losses, you know, a lot of watching film that just helped me get to this point. Katie, talk about as far as you tell on many teams, Oklahoma, Brooklyn, and uh, Golden State, and now Phoenix. Talk about the comparison of the chemistry that you make when you have with other teams, how it's working here, and since you've been here just a short period of time. Uh, chemistry is a thing. Uh, you know, once you get to know your teammates, once you're around them, they know your tendencies, they know who you are as a human being, then it could be easier. But a lot of stuff is on the coach and the coaching staff to bring us together and build that chemistry. And every team I've been on, we had a tight-knit group because our coaching staff was always tight-knit. And I feel the same way here. This is a family organization, family atmosphere. And once you step in here, um, you get that from day one. So it's on me to adapt and figure out the best way how I can help the group and they'll put me in. I trust that they'll put me in the best positions to be successful. So I'm just grateful I had a lot of played on f for four different franchises now, and every, every one of them felt like a family atmosphere. Thanks, Kevin. Devin Booker, how do you feel? Uh, uh, how do you just how do you feel? I guess uh, I was gonna, you know, make it uh, a different kind of question. But uh, I think he was – you don't hear the question, so I was just going to make it my own. Um, but I do know the answer. But uh, anyway, let's just roll with it. How do you feel, uh, Book? I actually feel good. Um, you know, this is this is what you ramp up for. This is what you prepare for. Um, you know, if it was up to me, I wouldn't even went out those 12 minutes. So, you know, my body feels good, and, you know, it was a must-win tonight. I mean, we've been trying to do it in the first quarter. Um, we just haven't been able to get off to a good start yet. Um, but, you know, it's that time of year where, you you know, there's going to be adjustments. There's going to be ups and downs throughout the game. You just have to keep weathering the storm and, you know, just keep fighting through. Devin, your top two playoff games four years. You had 47, the Lakers, 45 yeah, I say it's just strictly playoffs. Um, you know, I keep saying it's that time. You know, it, it's win or go home. Every possession matters. Every detail matters. Um, you know, so just trying to value every possession on both sides of the ball. Curious, this this reminds me of the Dallas game in a way that Kevin had it going, and then you would have it going, and it looked like you guys were playing, not trading possessions, but working off of each other. Yeah, it's very important. Um, you know, when you have two high-level scorers um, like us two, you know, I think in the past people always think, you know, there's one basketball out there. But, you know, being a student of the game, both of us, and respecting each other's game at a high level, you know, we, we understand that. You know, I, I understand it's easier for me to get open looks off of his first pass. Um, and I think he, he realizes the same thing. So, you know, I encourage them to double team him, throw any type of defense at them. And, you know, it's my turn to make them pay. Dev, you've never had a problem scoring. Obviously, he scored 73 points one time. But how much is Kevin being out there just in terms of the, the gravity he, he has on the yeah. court help you to score like he did tonight? I mean, in so many ways. Um, you know, you, you can't leave him. Obviously, he, he draws a lot of attention. And, you know, a lot of the buckets I scored, I went right to him right after and said, you open that up for me. Um, 
and he knows that. Um, and, you know, I expect the Clippers to make an adjustment, try to take me away, and, you know, it'll be his turn to do it. And um, that's just how we play. What's it like when you're in that mode where it's just drives, threes, whatever it is, you have it going? Mm, I love it. Um, you know, this is this is my life. Um, I, I, I dedicate, you know, my whole entire life, and I have since a kid to – to this sport and this game. So, you know, when you have it go going like that, you know, on the big stage, you know, there's nothing else you can ask for. With the drives that we've been getting lately, you talked about the physicality. How important is it to stay in that attack mode, especially when the Clippers go small like that? Yeah, you know, they go small. Um, that takes away the rim protection. So, you know, just trying to exploit that, um, get to the rim, you know, have – I missed a layup. I'm telling DeAndre, clean it up. You know, that means somebody came and helped. I missed a layup. You know, you should feast. Um, you know, so T. Lou does a good job of switching it up throughout, you know, it feels like every possession. You know, they're in a different defense. Um, and just realizing that and try to take advantage and just get the best situation we can get. What were you guys preaching as far as the mental approach when you found out Kawhi was out? Yeah, you know, those are those trick games. That happens always throughout the year where, um, you think somebody's missing one of their top players and, you know, you try to – you let off the gas a little bit and they take advantage of it. Um, and I mean, give credit to those guys. They they played their asses off tonight, and, you know, but, you know, I think the whole team was prepared for that and figured they would. So, you know, we we didn't take a step back. All in all, do you think you're playing the best ball on both ends of the floor, Um, it's it's just three games, um, and it's you know it's two one in the series. You know that's for everybody else to determine. But you know I'm just trying to make the right play every time down. Dan, can you talk about how big Tory been for you guys? Yeah. He's made big shots. Timely, timely shots. Big three in the corner. Yeah. Um. You know, again, with their defenses, they're putting Zubak on them a lot and, you know, just protecting the paint. And I think on that drive, Kev went left. They overhelped and he made them pay. So um, that's what he's out there to do. Um, you know, you try to put a five man on them, um, just view it as disrespect and make them pay for it. So that's three games in a row that he's doing it. Um, I'm going to encourage him to keep shooting. Um, yeah, and that's that. It's been big. Who was it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what I said when they're, you know, going five five guards out there. Any missed shot, I'm telling DA, you should have it. You know, there should be no guard that can box you out. And he did just that. That was important. Thanks, folks. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, well, I'll let it go this time. But yes, yes, you should have it, DA. You should have it. Um, a couple of questions that they talked about uh, it, throughout the press conference was um, Tory Craig and uh, Kevin Kevin Durant uh, found him on a three that uh, put uh, Suns up one twenty two one sixteen with uh, just under a minute and a half remaining. And Tory Craig was just just asked about you know that play and that fact. Uh, uh, by itself. Maybe, uh, um, 
I think you know, I would have liked to play a lot of those ball rebounds that I, I came up with. Uh, yeah, so it was good to get involved. Yeah, I mean, he's always kind of been on the ball. My shot is being inconsistent. This thing was, it was too inconsistent, actually, in different ways every time. So, uh, I'll try to go the kind of same way every time. Yeah, no, I'm just going to go to the same way. I told you, what it looks like I'd be about 80 years old, like a playmaker. Uh, like I, I mentioned earlier, he's an underrated passer, underrated playmaker. You uh, know, try to force him to be, he reads the defense, make the right play, and passes all the time. Um, I know that was really tough to hear. Worse than normal. I don't know why. Uh, There's just so much going on. I think he was right next to someone else that was asking questions. Phones going off. But basically, just said that uh, Kevin Durant. He's he's you know he's an underrated passer, and uh, um you know that that um that Tory's just just trying to trying to make plays. Um. And then uh, Damian Lee, who, you know, like I said, didn't put it up a lot, but, um, um, you know, did did enough. Uh, just was asked about, you know, the Game 3 uh, win and just, you know, how how, how he's feeling. Well, because you're always <laughs> ready to go, but to speak to tonight and being able to get out there and deliver and hit some huge shots for this team. Yeah, I mean, um... You know, just that. It's coach telling me to stay ready, understanding, you know, how series goes, how the season goes, and just whenever it's your time, just, you know, getting your work in, um, you know, without, you know, when the bright lights aren't on, and just trying my best to stay as ready as possible, going game speed, watching a lot of film, and just being ready for whatever opportunity comes. I understand all that, but still, to be able to do it in the game, in a game like that, um, mentally, when you go out there, is it like, I'm ready to do whatever, or I'm looking for my shot. I'm just curious your your mental approach. Um, you know, just reading the game, understanding how the game's going, the game flow. I mean, I think that's the beauty of coming off the bench. Is you know, as a guy that studies the game, just seeing what's happening out there and envisioning myself in you know whatever position that those guys are in, whether it may be wing, corner, top of the key. So just trying to you know envision myself in those positions and read the game, the flow of the game, see how it's going. And knowing wherever you know my abilities are needed, but you know it's it's playing with these guys, man. Just you know, been doing it all season, playing with Book, CP, play with K a couple years ago. So just understanding where guys' strengths are and understanding where my strengths also fit in with them. Just to follow up, just seeing seeing, seeing Devin tonight, maybe speak to just yeah. witnessing that. Kind I mean, of he's form. he's special guy. Loves the game, cares about the game. Um, we always joke about our Louisville and Kentucky rivalry, but, you know, just happy for him, you know. Hey, watch your mouth now. L's up. Um, but, you know, just, just watching him continue to show who he is and who he's been for the past, you know, since he's been in the league. Um, but, you know, just going out there, seeing him be aggressive, but also playing off him and, you know, trying to do whatever it takes to get him. Damien, to your point about envisioning it, I noticed between timeouts, like you'll take a ball sometimes and shoot it up. Is that part of the mental focus is every moment being ready? Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, just, you know, envisioning myself out there, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, just have just... You're just having touches on the ball, just having a feel of it, That's awesome. um, getting a rhythm, you know, even. 
Even when you're not out there or something, I don't know what he was going to say. <laughs> that, uh, that, that in the middle there about uh, Louisville. Um, I know you heard it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if you didn't, yeah, there's some explosives there. And, uh, I apologize on behalf of who said that. I'm not, you know, I don't know. I don't think that was Book. It could have been Book responding and heard, heard him talk about Louisville and saying F Louisville. Um, but, uh, Anyway, um, no, Damian Lee didn't do a lot, but he he was key. And even the broadcast on um, um, NBA TVs, you know, when he um, made a three, he said, oh, that, that's what Damian Lee can do. Um, and there's just something about um, them them boys that uh, are, are Currys or related to a Curry. Um, they, they all can shoot and talking about Dell, Steph, um, you know, Seth and then Damian Lee, who's married to, uh, um, Seth and, and, uh, uh, Seth, Seth and Steph's, um, sister. Um, and of course, Dell being his uh, father-in-law, there's something about, about the Curry's and, 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 uh, Damian Lee that, that, that they can shoot it. They, he, he really can. Um, so uh, I thought that was funny and interesting. Uh, Chris Paul asked about um, asked about the game, but uh, more so on Devin Booker's forty-five uh, point um, game and uh, you know how how huge it was. I expect none less. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we've been building for these opportunities and whatnot, and so uh, for him to play like that, we we needed every last bit of it tonight. Yeah, he had a huge one in the corner in that left corner. His rebounding, D. Lee coming in making the big shots that he made. It's just it's been a total team effort for us. Um, he started off the season like that. He's pretty consistent most season long. You know what I mean? But you know, at this point in the season, is is you know. Game a game, you know, whatever it is, you know what I mean? So I think even more than his shot making, he's just been playing hard. You know what I mean? He's rebounding all that. Like Chris, how have you seen DA's like short role playmaking decision making? It kind of evolves as you guys. Yeah, uh, it's something we drill all the time, you know what I mean? So he knows when to attack the rim, when to find the guy in the corner or whatnot. So, you know, he's just making the right plays. Chris, obviously you guys are battle tested. So when you're in games like that where you know the Westbrook's got downhill, power was going, and then, and just the response to those. Yeah, they, they, they was making big shots. You know, a lot of them was contested and doing a lot of fouling, but it's the playoffs, man. You just, you know, it's, if you're watching these games at home, you're like, okay, dang, they made that one. You know, you just keep playing. You got to keep going. And in these games, you realize win by one, win by 30 is just one win. And you got to the line 46 times as a team. That's it's a pretty, it might be the highest <laughs> number That's for you. Crazy. Nice to have KD over here. <laughs> <laughs> he had 11 of those, yeah. Is he kind of like a guy that can just like calm the pace and for everyone involved? Yeah, I mean, we got so many of us like that. You know, me, him, both, you know, been in these situations, you know, a ton of times. You know, K probably the only person that didn't have like a bunch of other guys like that before. So it's, it's, we're getting used to it, you know what I mean? Probably the most open shots I ever had in the game tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, it's, a, it's a good problem to have, and I think we're just going to keep building up each other. 
Um, I think that's about it. Ending it with a uh, yep. Ending with Chris Paul said needed every bit of the forty-five from uh, Devin Booker. I mean, it's great that he had it, but it, it does suck sometimes when when you have some guys out that you need every bit of it. Um, you know, only win by five, but you know, in perspective, and Chris just said it. You whether you. Uh, win by five or um, you know one or or even thirty, uh, it it don't matter. So, um, and then last but not least, um, we'll go ahead and we ha- actually have some cardinals. I'm gonna f- maneuver around this a little bit. There was a uh, uh, a reveal that happened, and so we'll we'll go ahead and and you know talk about it and. and uh, let let you listen in on on it. So, uh, we'll do some Cardinals up next on uh, Big Sky Sports Talk. So there was like this promotional video, uh, like a couple weeks ago, maybe maybe a month ago. I don't think it was a month ago. It, at least at least two two weeks ago or so. That. Uh, Showed uh, DJ Humphreys the left uh, tackle for the um, for the Cardinals, you know, all decked out like you know, um, in a, in a like a it wasn't a suit, but I mean he had his some bling on, he had a nice watch, some black slacks, button down shirt, you know, very James Bond esque, um, and you know he picks up this case. And then you know, care you know, f- you know, f- or flies in the helicopter. Team helicopter picks up this case, gets in the helicopter, and, and drops. You know, f- shows them landing at the team facility and carrying this this case. Um, but basically, it, it's just you know more metaphorical. What what ended up happening is it was a uniform unveiling the uh, yesterday, um, and they also had a, a question and answer. If it was just a uniform unveiling, I probably wouldn't play it. But since there's question and answer um, between the head coach, uh, that you know, I figured I would go ahead and and do it. Some some fans actually had some some questions, so it was a, a fan Q Q and A, and they asked some good ones. Um, so we'll just roll it. I'm gonna try to maneuver it because around it the best I can, because not all of it is you know really all that exciting. In fact, they had like. 12 minutes of, of really nothing going on. Like, what well, I guess they had the, the mics off, but, you know, the crowd was able to talk, you know, people getting some drinks, some soda, whatever. I think some drinks, drinks um, as well. Uh, just having a, it was a whole big night, apparently. Um, but they, they filmed about uh, about an hour of it. But we're not going to go in an hour, so don't worry. We just had an hour of Suns. We're not going to go an hour, hour of Cardinals right here. Um, so... We'll just go ahead and, and play it, and then that's, you know, just wanted to s- kind of set it up a little bit. All right, Danny, here we go. Finally, finally, can you tell me what the case is all about? I was told backstage you were going to tell us what was in the case. No, all I was told by DJ Humphreys was, take the case out here. And when DJ Humphreys tells me something, I usually look up and I'm like, okay, yes, sir, Mr. Agent 0074. And he said I was on a need to know basis. So, okay. 
I guess we'll find out later. I do have to say, Paul, you look pretty dapper in your suit. <laughs> no, that's not the fit check everyone wants tonight, okay? And by the way, my 16-year-old said a couple hours ago, he said, hey, Dad, we have new drip. I'm like, what? Where? Do I need to call a plumber? What's going on? So I'm so confused at this point. Somebody's got to help me out. Thank you to those of you for putting up with Paul's jokes here in person and also on the live stream. We're so glad you're here to join us for the first look at the 2023 Cardinals season, including a Q&A with head coach Jonathan Gannon momentarily. There's going to be a new look out on the field for the Cardinals this year with Gannon and the new coaching staff. Paul, what has stood out to you about this new staff in this first couple weeks? I tell you what, JG, it rhymes with energy, and it's crazy. It's nonstop. It's 2.30 on a Tuesday afternoon at the Cardinals facility, and Danny, you've heard it. Just someone yells out out of nowhere, let's get it! I mean, then you start clapping. You're like, where does that energy come from? There's that, and there's the fact that Jonathan Gannon and quite a few members of this staff have been there and done that. Just two years ago, they took an Eagles team near the top of the draft and put them in Super Bowl 57 at State Farm Stadium just two months ago. So I think that gives you instant field cred with the players. Lots of energy, lots of excitement in this upcoming season. Yeah. Speaking of players, uh, it's never a bad time to name drop. So let's go ahead and acknowledge some familiar names from Cardinals past who are in attendance. Leonard Davis. Jay Feely. Kyle Vandenbosch. Roy Green of the Arizona Cardinals Ring of Honor. Jetstream, another great receiver, Frank Sanders. Michael Pittman Sr. Marcel Ship. Michael Bankston. Dr. Ray Perkins. Brandon Keith. And Hamza Abdullah. Thank you guys for coming on out. And now a very special guest, Arizona Cardinals owner, Michael Bidwell, everyone. Is everybody fired up? Let's go! We don't do this very often. This is going to be exciting. Is everybody kind of looking forward to what's in that big briefcase that DJ's been carrying around? Some possible new unis, some new drip? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Tell you what, we couldn't be more excited about the 2023 season. We got the draft next week, uh, but it's really important for us to have you guys get a chance to hear directly from our new head coach, Jonathan Gannon. And he has made a huge impact. He and Monty Ossenfort, boy, they've been at hard work ever since they joined the team, and they've been making a lot of great changes. We couldn't be more excited. There's an energy in the room. And there's an energy at our training facility, and, and, and they're doing a great job. So we're off, off to a great start. I want to thank all of our fans, our, our, our team members, the, our Cardinals co-workers that are here. I want to thank our partners, uh, Cardinals uh, sponsors and partners. I want to thank our loft holders. I want to thank the club seat holders. There's so many folks here, our alumni and our players. Thank you all for being here. It's such a special night. Everybody enjoy it, but it's my great honor to, am I introducing him? Absolutely. I'm just kind of doing whatever I Let's can. do it. Let's introduce Jonathan, Jan, Jonathan Gannon. JG, where are you? I hear you coming down. Our brand of 
football, I think, will get fans excited to come show up and watch. People coming in your building, you know, you want it to be a hard place to play for our opponents. You want that to be an advantage. Jonathan Gannon, everyone. There he is, over here to the side, everybody. Cardinal fans coming up on your left onto the stage, head coach Jonathan Gannon. quiet in here. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Are we a wine and cheese crowd or what? Yeah, okay. All I know right. a lot of people want to know the energy. It's nonstop. It's real, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I have that see it. Uh, you guys will see it come September. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. I better see it from you guys. Uh, no, uh, you guys know it, it's uh, not hard to be enthused about something that you love doing. And uh, I feel that the opportunity that was laid forth by, by Michael and the staff that we put together and the coaching staff and the players that we have and the new acquisition period coming up, um, and it's an exciting time to be a Cardinal. So uh, I wear it on my sleeve and um, I'm ready to go. You've been in this position for roughly two months now. How are you taking to Arizona? What are your first impressions? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I see mountains and sunshine every day. It's pretty cool. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's a fantastic place to live. I'm just starting to get to know the area a little bit. Uh, the people have been great. Uh, I'm used to walking through the mall or a restaurant and getting uh, probably sworn at. And uh, here it's been uh, all good. So uh, people are asking for autographs. I'm like, who, who, me or, or somebody else? But um, no, I appreciate the warm welcome and uh, excited to be here, excited for my family to get here and really enjoy the community and get out in the community and um, make this our, our permanent home. Speaking of family, your kids have grown up around football at this point. However, as a first time head coach, do you get any extra sort of brownie points, or are you just still boring old dad to them? No, boring old dad. They, uh, they just know that the jersey numbers changed and our colors changed, and uh, they're excited to get out here. I, I always remember first-time head coaches saying they're surprised by the variety of decisions that come across their desk, right? It goes far beyond football. Have you gotten a taste of that yet? I have. I, I love that part of the job, honestly. Um, because it's five minutes you're doing this, and then you're talking to this person, you're making this decision, and you're working on something else, and you gotta be a multitasker. But uh, I love, I probably have a little bit of that in me where I, I like uh, a bunch of different tasks at hand. I don't wanna see, I don't wanna see uh, ADHD, but uh, I have a little bit of that in me. But um, so it's cool to uh, do a bunch of different things and deal with a bunch of different people on a daily basis and ultimately now players have been in the building for two weeks uh, which is the best part about the job and uh, we're off to a good start up and running i mentioned how you're part of a staff that just took the eagles from a four-win team to the super bowl in two years what was most important when you first got going what are you trying to establish now 
Yeah, we're for we're two weeks in now, and I think our players already have a very clear understanding of what is expected on a day-to-day -day basis. And you're not really worried about the result. You're really worried about the process. So um, it's just like when you guys go to work, if you got a task to do or complete that day, you're not worried about the end task at 5 o'clock. You're worried about how am I going to get there. So... Um, we, we deem it as winning behavior and non-winning behavior and uh, a lot of good winning behavior in the, in the building in these last two weeks. Your offensive and defensive coordinators, Drew Pensing and Nick Rollins, how can they help accelerate the process to get this team to be a winning team? Yeah, obviously both really good people, really good coaches. Uh, what I like to say, cutting edge uh, mentally. The game changes continually, and you have to continually adapt and adjust to the game to get the most you can out of the players because that's what it's all about. But um, just know this, everybody, when, when we hired a staff and coaches, uh, if I heard the phrase, well, I've always done it like this, you're, you're not a Cardinal. So... Um, it's, uh, it's been awesome because the staff has been very collaborative, and Michael does a great job of, of uh, facilitating that, Monty and his staff, and uh, we hired the right people. I'm very comfortable and confident and excited to see those guys get on the grass next week because we have a little mini camp going on, so get to compete a little bit, but uh, let to uh, see them work. There's a lot of back and forth between you and your assistants, right? Yes. You, you encourage is. that, don't you? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I think... Uh, competitiveness and uh, um, a sense of urgency brings out the best of everybody. So I like to have a lot of back and forth and uh, it's not um, out of the norm to have multiple challenges a day from our staff. Uh, so I don't want to get all philosophical here, but are you a believer that a team takes on the personality of its head coach? I think the team takes on the personality of the team. And that's up to us to kind of lead the way, but the players ultimately take it over. And I'm very excited about the people that we have in the building right now. Um, it's kind of cool to nudge the ball forward and let them run off with it. So uh, I think that the team will take the personality of the team. First mini camp for you next week. How hands-on do you plan on being throughout that process? Very. I think I'm going to steal a couple guys' drills from them after we discuss that today. But... Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty hands-on. I'm obviously sitting in a different seat now, but uh, so I got to make sure that offense is doing the right thing too. But um, I'm gonna, I'll jump into some drills, and I'll get my hands dirty. Some of the free agents you've signed so far, Kai Zero White, Zach Paschal, you're familiar with those guys. Uh, that was by design, right? You, you like their mindset? Yeah, it was, all of them. I mean, not just Zach and Kaiser, but a lot of guys that we added. Um, you know, you'll hear me first, or you'll hear me say all the time, it's about the team first and then you second. And uh, anybody that we acquire, uh, what we did for free agency, the draft process, which I'm sure everyone's excited about, I know I am. Um, but they're going to be team-first people, and uh, I think that's ultimately how you build a winner. There's a lot of variables that go into winning and losing teams, but the one consistent variable is the winning teams have a bunch of good people, and the losing teams don't have enough. So um, we're, we're ready to get that process started. So you mentioned the draft. What can we ask you about the draft? Do you, some of the crazy mock drafts are out there. Do you ever grab one and just laugh? Just, just have a good laugh at, at what you're reading? <laughs> I don't. I, if, you guys, if you guys can help us out who we should take at three, I'm all ears. But there we go. There we go. There we go. 
Yeah, we'll see. Um, no, I don't. I honestly don't pay attention too much to outside mock drafts and opinions of players. We have a good process that we go through to vet all that. We've been going on. That's been going on for a couple months here now. But uh, excited for next Thursday, and uh, you guys should be too because we got a really good plan. That's how many good. how many trade calls have you and Monty received this week? Yeah, Come that's, on, that's a better question for Monty, but <laughs> double digits. We got to ask about the energy. Are you fueled by coffee, energy drinks, just loving your job? I mean, because Paul and I, our office is close to yours, and as oh, Paul yeah. was mentioning earlier, not in a bad way, but in the middle of the afternoon, we will hear you clapping and cheering, and we just got to <laughs> know where it comes from. Excuse my language. You probably hear some bad language, too, but uh, I would say passion for the job. But I do uh, drink a little espresso every once in a while, and uh, I think working out. We had uh, the some of the players were laughing. They said, we saw you coaches working out in the morning, and I like to facilitate that. So I don't make it mandatory, but I say, you know, uh, if you work out in the morning, your brain will be a little bit healthier, and you'll probably help the players better. And they're like, really? And I said, yeah. So the next day we had about 25 coaches in working out. So uh, it's cool to see. And uh, I think they also said, you guys are like this. So they were doing an exercise today. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. My coach stuck. Wardrobe malfunction. My coach literally stuck. Here we go. It's right here. Help me out. I think it's okay. uh, it caught right in the. Uh, oh my God. My coach stuck. Are we, are we taking off our clothes right, right now? Yeah. I'm literally stuck. Come out. Uh, I'm not going to rip You might want to. Okay, so anyhow, any, sorry. Uh, wardrobe malfunction. But uh, there's an exercise called a hip thrust. So you basically have your back just like I am, and your feet are 90 degrees on the floor, and you put a barbell over your waist, and you put a pad before, you know, in between the barbell and yourself so it doesn't you know, dig into your hips too much. But then you start stacking plates, and it's a posterior exercise for your glutes. And um, so we were doing those today, and somebody worked up to like two and a quarter, and we had the players in obviously doing the same exercises, and they had like 400, 500 on the bar. And they said, uh, JG, what did, what, how much did you do today? I said, not as much as that. But um, it was pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, we, we're, uh, if we ask the players to do something, we're going to do it ourselves. So you won a state championship as a point guard in high school, correct? I did. And... All your, a lot of guys in your locker room want a piece of you on the basketball court. You're yeah. aware of that, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I am. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not one to back down from challenges, but I do have a fake hip. So I will, if they want to play one-on-one, -on -one, I'll say that's uh, shoot 10 free throws or play a game of pig. But um, I do like hoops. I do like hoops. And uh, we're in the thick of it, our son's team right now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to get to one of the playoff games this year, but I know next year we're going to do a team function and go to that arena, and that'll be really cool to see. We had Kerry Rhodes on the Big Red Rage recently, and you were teammates with Kerry Rhodes at Louisville, and you guys are both big-time defensive backs. You suffered the hip injury. How long did it take you to get over that, that your playing days were over? Because you went immediately into coaching, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, well, I sat out a year and tried to rehab and play the next spring and um, couldn't run. So then I immediately started coaching. And uh, I was very grateful for the opportunity to do that. But I knew I wanted to be around football for my life. Um, so, yeah, Kerry was a really good player at Louisville. And then I know he went on to the Jets and then came here. And he's doing his thing in L.A. or on the West Coast. But... Um, yeah, we had a good relationship, and it drove from competitiveness. 
because you play the same position. So I and and that's what our players do a good job of with too. Is is you know you need your buddy to push you at times to make yourself become the best player you can be too. So we like that competitive fire in our building. There was one player that we have to ask about your quarterback. Kyler Murray's he's going through his rehab fans yeah that's right fans just want to know how how he's doing and how that process is going yeah he looks great he's doing an excellent job he's uh very diligent he asked me a question the other day in front of everybody I didn't know it so I had to find him the answer but um he's smart he's smart and I say um you know I I ask our you know rookies when they come in or we've been having these top 30 visits which is part of the evaluation process and one of the questions I asked all the guys coming in, I said, what do you know about a quarterback? And they said, oh, you know, he's a good player, this and that, blah, 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 blah. And they said, well, you know, how is he? And I said, well, I've only known him for three months, but, you know, hope, I excuse, excuse my language here, but I said, he's a killer. And they said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, he's serious about ball. And um, that's what you need out of your quarterback. That's what you need out of your whole team. But I said, you know, if you come in here, I want you to be serious about ball, and the guys that we brought in have been, so it's been really cool. On those top 30 visits, what you're doing right now, I mean, you can see all the game film you want. What do you learn when you have dinner with a prospect, and, and how much can you learn? Do you get a real good sense of a player and what they're made of by the time it's done? Yeah, Monty's process for that is something, it's a lot different than I've been in, uh, this is my seventh NFL building, so... Um, I really liked our process and the prospects, I think, really liked it. But we put them on the spot. We don't, it's not a cakewalk, a meet and greet. Um, we get out of can they learn? Are they passionate? Do they treat people the right way? How do they think of themselves as a player? And um, we quiz them, we test them. They get put through the ringer pretty good. So uh, we want to be, we want to know the person if we end up drafting them. But uh, it's, it's been a fun process and. Uh, I think when they get to me, they're a little bit, I don't know if their competitive stamina is enough to kind of hold up when they finally get to me at the end of the day. But, um, and then so I'm kind of the good cop, I think. But they go through the ringer and get the bad cops first. Fans had the opportunity to submit a question for you. Nice, what do we got? Shoot! Well, first of all, if your question is asked, congratulations, you have earned yourself a Cardinals draft cap. So be sure to find Stephanie at the back bar. So here is our first question from Vicky R. What is different or unique about you that makes you sure you'll be successful in this role as head coach for the Cardinals? That's a pretty tough one off That's the top. That's a good, geez, Vicky, good, good question. Good question. Give me a drink ticket. Um, I would say that uh, what's unique about me is, is my jacket keeps getting caught. It's, it, right it's legitimately there. stuck what? in the no, back I, of that chair. No, I got it out of there, I, but it's it's I getting mean, me mad. Take it off now. Might need a floor okay. So to help uh, out. I would say this. I would, that's a really good question, Vicky. I'm convicted with what's in my brain and what's in my heart to build a winner. But with saying that, I also am not afraid to adapt to the circumstances. So what I mean by that is, is everyone in their mind has a way to do things and, and you need that way in your mind and it has to be very clear so people understand and can really take it over. But I think what, at, when there's times that you see that you need to be able to do adapt from that vision and maybe steer off the path a little bit and get back on it or take a U-turn or take a right turn, I think you have to have the conviction also to do that. And, um, I've always done that as a player and as a coach, and uh, I'm going to do it here. 
Okay, this is from Rick W. What is your philosophy regarding player leadership and the selection of team captains? Yeah, I think those, that's, that's, a, that's a really good question too. Um, you, the team captains reveal themselves pretty quick to the entire team um, be, because of people see everybody work and prepare, how they go about their daily business. And um, I, th I think we have, it's going to be a tough decision because we got a lot of leaders on this team and uh, excited to see that process play out. Um, but what's expected, you know, your captains, you want to be an extension of yourself as a coach. And uh, I know we have that in a lot of guys. From Anthony L., what are your challenges as you transition from defensive coordinator to head coach? I think just, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound so bad, everybody. Um, Time management, because as a defensive coordinator, you're in charge of 30 people. I know, what a bad answer, huh? <laughs> but now, now you're in charge of a little bit more people um, and different coaches and things like that. And you really have to be uh, a servant to everybody in the building. And that's, that can be time-consuming at time. And you got to realize, too, sometimes it's like, oh, hey, coach, I need five minutes. Well, I don't have five minutes right now, but if they're asking me to come for five minutes, then they probably need five minutes. So just from a standpoint of uh, you got to put yourself behind the team and your people in front of you, I think that's the – and it's not – you do that as a defensive coordinator too. It's just more people to do that with. You will call the defense or Nick Rallis will call the defense? Nick Rallis will call the defense until he calls a third down that I don't like and then I'm taking it over from him. That's his warning. Okay, this one comes You can from tell him that too. <laughs> From Tim L., what is the one thing you will do that will make the most impact on moving this team forward? Uh, lead by example. That's easy. Um, you know, I think that uh, if you show people that you're willing to put in the work and do what's necessary to give yourself a chance to win, um, I think they follow that pretty quick. So that's what I'll do. How about the media? You, you haven't really hesitated at all. Is that the Philly, the two years in Philly dealing with the East Coast media? But I mean, a lot of first time coaches, I've been around long enough to see you know, some nerves here and there dealing with the media right off the bat because it's almost daily as a head coach. You haven't hesitated or it hasn't given you pause at all. No, and, and, and you can take this to be true. You know, when people say, hey, I'm telling you the truth, they're really lying to you. Um, I'm really telling the truth. My guard is down right now. Uh, my guard at, with the media at times has to be up because they want information that you don't want to give out. Um, but I'm, I'm very comfortable talking to the media. Philly is a very hard media market. Uh, we were 9-0, and and I did my presser, and they say, Coach, we want you fired. And I said, well, we're the no I said, we're the number one defense in the NFL right now in every statistical category. Why do you want me fired? You don't blitz enough. I said, well, we lead the league in sacks by 30-plus sacks. So if you want to come call the defense, and you can have at it. But, uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. They have a job to do, and, and I understand that. Uh, but I do like to let my guard down in settings like this and give you the real me and the real answers, which is what I'm doing. And um, but just know when you hear media sessions, that's not always the case. But uh, I'll still give them good answers. But sometimes I'll withhold some truth. I know you're not going to name names, but what was it the uh, the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner? Right, the whole, yeah. the whole thing. He writes down the name of the player he wants the most on a post-it note. Have you done that? Is there a player you really covet in this draft? Yes. Yes, multiple players that I really covet. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get them too. Uh, 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, I think uh, it was cool because we said, uh, Monty and I did an exercise at the beginning of this week, and we said, all right, dude, like seriously now. Like we got the board stacked, and you told me who you like, and I told you who I liked. Like who do we have, like who do we love that we want to wear red, white, and black? You'll see the new unis in a minute. And um, I said, uh, and he goes, all right, let's write them down. I said, all right, I'll write them down too. And out of 10 guys, we had eight of the same. So I think we're, we're in lockstep and uh, excited to go for Thursday. Game day fits are very important. You look almost as good as Paul tonight, I do have to yeah, say. Yeah, Paul outdressed me tonight. Paul outdressed me tonight. What, what is lie. your game day attire? What can fans expect to see from you when you're pulling up to State Farm Stadium? Yeah, uh, oh. Oh, something, something dripped out. But you, you, I don't know if everyone knows what that means in here, but that's okay. That's kind of a 2023 term. But uh, I, will look, uh, I will look like the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals should look like. How, how important are uniforms in a locker room? Take us inside the locker room. Players care, don't they? Oh, yeah. Look good, feel good, play good. Yeah, no doubt about it. I... Um, that was when I played too. I, I kind of mimicked certain people and I wanted to look like they look because I thought it looked cool. But um, yeah, we have a great, we got to wait to see these unis. I mean, that's what, let's get me off the stage and get the players in here and the damn uniforms already. But You know what you but, completely yeah. took away from the final fan question? Did you take a sneak peek? Because it says, when are we getting new uniforms? Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. So this, this is, this is, I'm not going to lie. This, I just saw him, I just saw him like 20 minutes ago. I swear, I, I have not seen him. And I walked in, I said, holy sh, those look sweet. So I'm excited. You guys are going to like them. You guys, you're well, going to like them. We shouldn't keep them waiting any longer. Yeah, no, what bring them out. Let's you go. guys ready? Let's go. Let's, Let's get it. Let's do it. All right. Um. They're getting that ready. I'm actually letting this play so I don't waste a whole lot of video time. Um, but there's, there was quite a bit, actually, to take away from uh, from that, in, in my opinion. Um, especially that last question. He said, you know, there's ten players. Um, eight of the ten we both really, really like between um, Monty and I. Um, and, well, they just happen to have eight picks. If they can get those extra two that maybe the, you know they both didn't have, that would be awesome. They need as many guys as they can uh, to um, get on this roster um, because they are not a good team and they have um, you know guys that wanted to trade out, you know, um, like Buda Baker. So they need as many as they can. Um, and the best way to do that is to get uh, some of the guys, uh, some of the teams that that are behind them, to jump up and 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 take some some stuff. Um, the other thing that I would uh, would say is um, that they have. Uh, um, there was something else that that he said that that really really got me, and it was. Um, what was it? Gosh, it was about just, oh, this is, you know, what I said before, but he just, he just really knows how to command a room. And I get more and more excited about, um, you know, 
uh, Jonathan Gannon, you know, even though there's so much crap going on uh, with uh, with the Steve Wilkes thing, with the um, with the um, Terry McDonough, uh, all that, and, and against Michael Bidwill. Um, by the way, Michael Bidwill wasn't out all very long. I'm sure that was probably by design. Uh, you know, he you know he doesn't want to take away from what. What was going on? He was in and out of there. I do wonder if some of it was like, oh, you know, if if this if this is some of this stuff might uh, you know might be true, and I don't know if I'm well liked <laughs> right now. So I don't, I don't know. Um, but there were some good questions asked. You know, he just seems like a coach that, that leads by example, is all about ball. Um, and the one thing that I disagreed on him is he said Kyler Murray is a killer, and he he had I think he has that mentality some sometimes. I don't think he leads that way that well, and and he he definitely likes to compete, but it's like like a Gen Z compete, like you know I'll compete if it, everything's going good for me or or whatever, but you know when things go bad I'm gonna I'm gonna pout, you know I I don't know, but. You know, there, there's other things you can take away, but um, anyway, uh, let's get to the um, um, new uniforms. And they do look pretty sweet. I, I mean, uh, if you're a Cardinals fan, you've already seen them up to this point um, because I'm late in getting this out. But um, oh, and they did this even well, even before I think uh, before the Diamondbacks game or during the Diamondbacks game, which. Uh, ha- you know, also happened last night. But anyway, let's go ahead and 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 move on and, and get to it. It was time to update. I couldn't be more excited about getting this out because I've I've heard our fans, I've heard our players, and I think I did a pretty good job of de- deflecting the uh, all the questions that came over the years because we we've been waiting for this day. And that's what we're doing, is rolling out this great new set of uniforms. They really speak to our tradition and also our evolution and our future. They're cool. I think that they're clean. I'm excited about this. Cardinal fans, you're here, and it's time. Are you ready? Mean it this time. Are you ready? Here they are, showing off the white away bird gang uniforms. DJ Humphreys. Can you say Road Trip, the classic white-on-white harkens back to the days when Larry Wilson roamed the defensive backfield. Yes, pays homage to the past with that modern flair. This sleek combo could turn heads in any era. The stripe combo is mirrored on the pant legs and a consistent width from hip to knee. 
number 97, Cameron Thomas. The printed frame of sleeves, stripes in silver and tough red. Bracket the team name in black on the shoulder. The stripe combo is mirrored on the pant legs in a consistent width from hip to knee. Number six, James Conner. How about the numbers are outlined in black with a perforated swole red fill inside the neck embroidered on the collar are the words Bird Gang. Like the home uniform, the modernized white helmet tops off this combination with the larger logo, digital 3D shadows, and silver flakes throughout the white crown. All right, fans, now on display with the new black alternate uniforms. Number 25, Saban Collins! It's the third alternate uniform for your Cardinals. It's back in black, the helmet, the jersey, the pants, the socks, the ensemble can be worn for up to two regular season games and a preseason game. It is back in black. Number 41, Mijay Sanders. Debuted last season, this helmet has a black coating with red flakes, a black face mask, and embossed lettering, Arizona on the front, Cardinals on the back where the helmet meets the neck. Number 34, Jalen Thompson. Like the away uniform, Bird Gang is embroidered on the inner collar, silver and tough red stripes are emblazoned on the shoulder and pan legs. The silver outlines, the perforated squill number, and the monochrome red cardinal logo centered on the upper back. When it comes time to protect the nest in 2023, your Cardinals will be doing it in these Arizona red uniforms. Welcome number four, Rondale Moore. How about the home threads? Red on red never looks so good. More accurately, it's tough red in Nike's color library. And that's red from chin to shin, jersey, pants, and socks. Number two, Hollywood Brown! Never before have the Cardinals worn the name of their state across their chests until now. State 48, loud and proud, bold and beautiful. Inside the collar is a reminder of the objective each home game day, protect the nest, stitched in white. And let's welcome number one, Kyler Murray! How about the classic white helmet? If you look close, you'll notice a larger Cardinal logo, enhanced digital 3D shadows. The helmet includes silver flakes, a silver face mask, and embossed lettering on the front and back of the helmet as well. The material is a high-tech fiber designed to wick away sweat and fit like a glove. The white, number, white numbers with a perforated twill are outlined with a new color in this closet, silver. And the upper back patch is a raised one color white bird head. Cardinal fans, 
your new Cardinals uniforms for 2023 and beyond. Once again, let's hear it for your Arizona Cardinals with us tonight, DJ Humphreys. Cameron Thomas. James Connor. Zabin Collins. Jalen Thompson. Myjay Sanders. Rondale Moore. Hollywood Brown. And Kyler Murray. Here we go, DJ. Man, do you feel as good as you look right now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is hard to, to feel a little bit better than I look, but I actually do. I actually do. <laughs> Tell me, what words would you use to describe this new look? Clean, clean, clean and classy. That's the best way I can describe it. I mean, top to bottom, unison color all the way from the top to the bottom. It's clean and classy. So when you guys saw it for the first time, what, how would you sum up the reaction from you and your teammates? I, it was so many ideas in my mind that I had what it would be, and when I saw it, 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 was, it, was, it was hard for me at first. I always thought it was going to be hard to get over the uniforms that we had before, but as soon as I saw them, I knew it was going to be perfect for it. You know, you played Agent 0074. You know, how fun was it to be in the videos? You know, I know, acting, modeling in your future? I mean, you pulled it off. Yeah, man, I'm just trying to keep building the portfolio, man. Keep putting it together. <laughs> DJ, you look great. Thanks. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Okay, I've got Zaven Collins in the black alternate uniforms over here. Zaven, you look fresh. How do you feel in this? We feel good. We liked them. As soon as we saw them, we were all excited. So I think black's my favorite. That's why we picked it all. So, but I'm partial to this color, but I like it. Yeah, it's fire. It's your favorite. Which part of this makes it your favorite? I think it's the stripes on the pants, you know? But I don't know. I think they're all fresh, but the black's it for us. So these new uniforms, you're going to be able to hit harder, tackle more, right? That's how it all works. Oh, yeah. Look good, play good, feel good. That's us. And this will look pretty good with one of your cowboy hats, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't make it out tonight, but it'll be good. All right, Kyler. Got a bum rush in here. What are you thinking? I, I mean, you looked in the mirror, and what was going through your mind? I look damn good. That's what <laughs> I look damn good. <laughs> what do you like the best? What stands out to you? I just like how they're, you know, classic, original. Uh, it's it's going to be hard to mess these up. Got to win a lot of games in these, for sure. Uniforms are important to you. Your look is important to you, isn't it? I mean, you know, you look good, you feel good, you play good. I believe that's true. Um, and like I said, it's going to be hard to mess these up. What the rest of the guys think? What were you telling each other back there? <laughs> There's a whole lot of oohs and ahs. Everybody looking good, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I'm excited. I hope everybody loves them. You know, like I said, we're going to win a lot of games in these. Outstanding. How about it, everyone? I tell you what, now it's going to be your turn. Everyone get your phones ready. We're going to have a photo op here. Everyone can go ahead and snap a few pictures up close, and guys will hang around. And with that said, we thank everyone for showing up. It has been a great evening in so many ways. 18 years to the day since the Cardinals last rebranded their uniforms. And with that, let's go to the stadium voice, Jim Barnett. Uh, we will not go to the stadium voice because, well, we're not that worried about it. But um, it, uh, I mean, they they look fresh. It, it looks really, really good. I like them. I, I see some comments of some people not liking them or, you know, maybe they're upset about other different things. I don't know. Uh, you know, I haven't really 
read into a lot of them, but like a lot of, you know, I see the, you know, the reactions on the Facebook, you know, the haha, the, the love, the like, uh, the wow, you know, and some people even given the mad face. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't get it. Maybe they're mad at other things and they're just taking it out on the uh, new uniform, um, you know, unveil. Uh, but I, I think my favorite, I mean, the alternate, I love the, I've always loved the black, the, you know, Thursday night, they'll probably use that on Thursday night. Usually the alternate, uh, uniform, um, the, the away, I love the away uniform. It, it's probably my favorite, but I, one thing I didn't know, and I didn't, uh, they said never before had they ever done, um, the state name. So Arizona, um, on, on the Jersey. And I love that, that thought. Um, you know, yeah, you, you are the Cardinals, but you are the Arizona Cardinals. And, and so I think that's kind of cool. The thought, hey, you're at home, so you're in Arizona. Uh, and so you need, you need to protect home. And and uh, I hope they win a lot of games that, you know, Kyler said, hey, we're going to win a lot of games in these. I hope they do. I don't think they will this year. I really, really don't. I don't want to end this on a on a downer too much, but I, I just, I just don't think they will win a whole lot of games. I, I could be proven wrong. You know, I lo- like, you know, and the only way I could be is, you know, you love the energy that, that Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon brings. You hope that the draft is good. They need as many players as they can get. They need everybody to buy in. And if, if that happens, they could win some games. I don't know if they will, but like I said, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, I honestly think right now, Right now, I think they're going to be worse than last year. Uh, and I'm not going to be too upset about that because um, it's uh, JG's first year. It's Kyler coming off a, an ACL, so many other different things. But I think the overall chemistry of, 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 the, uh, of the team will, will be better. Um, and, and so, you know, you, they, the overall feel after every game, I think you'll feel better even in a loss versus the, the last couple of years in, in losses. Um, but uh, anyway, um, I think they said uh, OTAs coming up uh, after the draft. We got the draft coming up more accurately than that. I think next week. Next week is the draft, so that should be good. Um, but anyway, if you want to email me, you can get involved in the conversation. Uh, please do. I always welcome it. Big Sky Sports Talk at gmail.com. Big Sky Sports Talk at gmail.com and then Facebook and Instagram. Just search Big Sky Sports Talk at Big Sky Sports Talk for Facebook and Instagram. You can find the page, like the page, follow the page. Um, so that way you you know you, I'll post the shows on there and you can you know click directly from there if you want. Um, and uh, the other way to know what's going on and is to listen. And of course uh, you can listen on Spotify, Apple, Google, Audible, iHeartRadio. Uh, Amazon Music. I did, I don't know if I said that one. I um, uh, Stitcher. Um, just about everywhere you are, we are, and uh, you can listen on all those platforms. I hope you listen on all of them. But if you choose one, your favorite one, that's fine. Um, and please uh, hit the bell notification, like, and uh, you know, subscribe to it, so that way you don't miss out. And it makes it easy to share it. You know, help build this uh, this brand. I, I I always appreciate everybody that does that with your friends, your family, your neighbors, and enemies. And um, so until tomorrow, uh, we'll be rocking and rolling. I thank you. All right, bye bye.